Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week, we'll be doing chapters 8 through 11 of The Way of Kings. Elliot, can you tell me two words that you came up with for this passage? I did. So coming out of these chapters, the two words I would go with are taking and saving. Taking and saving. Okay. And Paul, yep. what did you what did you have? Uh, not quite as deep. Um, I have perseverance and teaching. Perseverance and teaching, taking and saving. Let's let's discuss these. Taking and saving. Elliot, talk to me about taking and saving. What does this mean? So I got taking and saving from one specific quote that comes in, well, the full quote comes in chapter 10, the flashback chapter that we get with, with Kaladin's father. But Kaladin talks about it a little bit earlier. And if I can find it, I'll go ahead and read it, actually. Okay. So when Kaladin is, is talking with his father, they're, they're kind of having an argument. We're going we're gonna to talk about it in a second. But Kaladin's father says, there are two kinds of people in this world, son, those who save lives and those who take lives. And I thought that was a really deep moment for this, not just these sections of the, these chapters, but really the whole part one of the book in general. So that was my two words. It's certainly... It's, it's good that you pulled that out because that will certainly be coming back and it's been mentioned already multiple times. And it's, it's certainly Kaladin's philosophy that he's been fighting with going into the army. And you get a little insight into that for chapter 10. Yep. Because um, he has a quote in chapter either, either 9 or 11, I don't remember. But he's, he's talking about how there's a big group of third people who just exist to either be saved or to be killed and there's no reason for them to be living it's kind of his yep. uh his uh depression pulling in so yep. that's it's certainly been talked about multiple times all right paul uh talk to me about your your two words so first of all is is perseverance i think it's very broad perspective uh description of, of these chapters first off with shallan you have her uh being denied several times her wardship with yasna and ends up persevering and we'll see where it gets her as well as with the kaladin chapters he's in the most dire of straits and he you know takes a lick and he keeps on ticking you know he 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 keeps going uh, my second word is teaching, and it it relates a little. I, I was thinking like a little bit with the Shalon chapters, and that uh, she learns with uh, some stuff with like the ardent and some almost life lessons uh, throughout her experiences, and mostly focused though on the flashback Kaladin chapter though with his father, and like like Elliot said with 
taking and saving lives. There's a lot of uh, lessons that Callan's father taught him, and so that was that was why I chose that word. Okay, let's talk about perseverance and the the Shalon chapters, chapter seven and chapter eight. She has been denied multiple times, even. And she keeps trying, even to the point of Yasna being angry with her that she's still there. Uh, Yasna walks into the the alcove where she's uh, she's Shalon's still waiting for Yasna, even after she's denied her. I think twice at that point, and uh, Yasna is not happy with her, and Shalon is still 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 even tries a time after that, and finally gets accepted at the end of chapter eight. So perseverance well, certainly. Shalon, Shalon needed a little bit of encouragement, though, right? She she had gotten to the point where she was pretty much ready to give up and not even go back to Yasna, but then y'all jumped in and said, third time's a charm, basically. You got to go try. You got to try at least three times, and that was kind of what pushed her to go back and and try that third time. Yeah, that's true. I I like the mention of Yal. Actually, I th- it's a character that. Uh, in in all honesty, at first I didn't really uh, think anything about Yalb or really care for Yalb, but it's actually really cool, and I like the kind of the contrast that they have with Yalb and Shalon, and that Shalon is very like intelligent, book smart, and Yalb is kind of this you know rough pirate, yep. and has the street street knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, is able to help Shalon out of a lot of difficult situations, such as uh, when dealing with the the bookstore owner who's uh, kind of uh-huh. <laughs> cheat yep. and such. Um, and you know, Yasna is very like, or I say Yasna, I mean, Shalon is has this like really proper mindset and attitude um, with things. And Yab kind of gives a little more of the common sense side. And I think it really helps Shalon a lot. And I think it's a really, really interesting character. He he definitely balanced her out quite a bit. He's, he's a little more down to earth where Shalon's maybe a little bit up in the clouds. Sure. And I also, I think my favorite thing about Yab that what makes him special compared to the rest of the characters so far is I feel like if you kind of look at the characters we've seen, um, they have a more stark contrast or, or stark, like good or bad side. And I yeah. feel like Yab, Yab kind of has a mix of the two. He, he's more like neutral, but he's not, upright you know he 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 cares you know about shalon he wants the best for her and probably you know his friends and such but you know he he's caught you know gambling cheating the the guards there in a card bronze and such and so he, he you know he he's not too considerate and too upright but <laughs> he has good intentions you know his so it's an interesting contrast his ethics are good, but his morals might uh, might might blur lines. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something else like that. Yeah. I do think it's I do think he's a good character because he walks into the the bookshop and the the bookseller and Shalon are both way more educated than he is, and yet he outsmarts both of them just by walking in <laughs> and, and saying, "Hey, you're." your rival selling this book for a fraction of the price. How could you, how could you sit here and listen to this ridiculous price? And the bookseller's and like, knows, Oh shoot. And he knows how to push everyone's buttons, which I think is he does. Kind of, 
yeah he, <laughs> he knows exactly what to do um you know and he doesn't mess around with any kind of formalities and such so um, he's a pretty slick con man for sure and it takes shalon a few seconds to kind of catch up to him before she realizes that that Yob's the one ahead of the game here. Yep. For sure. I also think it's interesting, you know, with him in the city, you know, the city of Bells, right? Like, I, I don't know that much about the city, but from what I can tell, it's like kind of a, you know, it's where the the higher-ups and the well-educated kind of people are. And so it's a, an interesting contrast there. Yeah, Car Carbranth is definitely the the Athens of Roshar, if you will, a, a city state of of knowledge, and it has the it has the uh, the Palinaeum, the biggest library in Roshar, and Yasnas come here to study. We don't know why yet, but she's here to uh, to study. And Kaladin's father in chapter ten mentions kind of offhand that he wants he wants to send Kaladin to Carbranth to study as a surgeon. It's definitely a, a meaning of the minds area in Roshar that people come to uh, to study and learn. So the the other thing that we learn about in chapter seven, or we learn more about, is soul casting, which mm. I I definitely have some more more questions now about soul casting. Shalon Shalon talks about the fact that her her father used it to to gain wealth for their for their estate for their family is that is that frowned upon is that not an okay use of soul casting I would figure if you've got if you've got this magic you should be able to turn whatever you want into what whatever whatever else you want but she seems like embarrassed of it like they were hiding it what that doesn't make sense to me right I do I do think it's funny that the more you learn about soul casters, the more questions you have instead of the more answers that have been <laughs> have been received. Yes. But no, so soul casting is more perceived as a magic as opposed to other fabrials uh that we'll come across in the future. It's still still not fully understood how it works. And so it's definitely perceived as holy or sacred. So if you have a fabrial the Voren church believes or wants all of the the fabrials to be protected and kept safe and taken care of that's why shallan mentions offhand that oh the Voren church must be squirming in their chairs to know that yasna has a soul caster oh yeah um, she did say that yep and so it's if you have one you're supposed to give it to the the Voren church because it's supposed to be holy so if Shalon's father mm. kept one secret to further their wealth. So Shalon mentions that right, but they um did it say that anyone like ever found out about this? Is this like a rumor or was this found out and kinda frowned upon by a lot of people? Um I don't actually remember for sure. Or if this was just kinda I, Shalon's like she's kinda like thinking I, I, this. I thought in the chapter that she she talked about she has that broken soulcaster fabrial with her right, and she's planning mm -hmm. to to swap it out with with Yasna's. That's that's her plan is to steal Yasna's working one and swap it out with the 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 broken one. I don't know if that answers your question at all. Yeah, I see. So yeah, she she is just like keeping this to herself. I wasn't sure if like yeah, 
her father using it was like public knowledge, I guess. Um, her, I feel like that's a, a really big. Her father no, no. being her father being dead isn't even public knowledge, and the fact that's right. the fact that he has a soul caster is certainly not public knowledge. So they're mm -hmm. trying to, uh, they're trying to steal Yasna's because his doesn't work anymore. Very sneaky. I, it makes mm -hmm. me really curious about where Shalon's storyline is going to go because she's this very astute, upright, moral, ethical, you know, young young woman, and then she we find out that she has this intent to to steal Yasna's uh, soul casting, you know, gem yeah. and such. So, um, I'm very curious to see see what happens there. Um, She's there, there's been some rather cryptic references back to her father's death. I do think that something a little bit suspicious is is going on there because Shalon has kind of flashed back to it a couple times, but we don't get many details. It's very it's very cryptic, and it's really making me wonder if somehow maybe it was an accident or Shalon was involved somehow or. I think there might be something a little darker there that that we're not getting yet. Yeah, she. I think I think there's definitely more to come. It, it mentions it, and then she deliberately shoves it away and doesn't think about it. Right. And yep, there's. It certainly hasn't given you many clues yet. Ominous. Very good thought. Um. So, despite her bad intentions, you know, I feel like that's scary because. If anything goes wrong with her plan, right? Like Yasna is not someone you'd want to have. You know, you, you would not want to be on her bad side, right? You know, she seems very. You know, she'll she'll do what she wants, says what she wants, and mm -hmm. if she wants you gone or I don't know, worse, it'll it'll happen. So Shalon is you know in dangerous territory, at least uh, potentially. <laughs> so. Um, but she does eventually get her wardship with Yasna, so uh, it lots of persistence. It doesn't mention it quite yet, but soulcasters are very rare and very expensive. So if Yasna were to catch Shalon trying to steal the soulcaster, it would not end well for Shalon at all, or her like entire house. Like that's a that's a country go to war with another country type of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just like, yeah, she'll probably get like in jail or something, and then be sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> stakes, a little stakes are high now. Yeah, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess as far as, um, as far as that goes, so so Shalon is. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know exactly where she's gonna go, but. Um, kind of on another note, so at the start of all of these chapters, you know, at the start of the Kaladin chapters, and I, I think every chapter, right, even the Shalon chapters, it has this notion of, like, 30 seconds pre-death, mm. is what it says. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 had a, I wasn't sure about that, because it is, is it alluding to a certain moment, or is that just, like, a way they keep track of their years, you know? Um you know, was every one seems really different. So I didn't think it was like years, right? Because you have these preceding events right after each other that are 
very far apart in these seconds pre-death, which is um, listed at the start of each chapter. I didn't know if you could explain that. I'll read one uh, just to clarify what we're talking about here. Uh, this is the beginning of the prologue, actually. Um, this is the title or the uh, the title stands, I guess, of the prologue. The love of men is a frigid thing, a mountain stream only three steps from the ice. We are his. O oh, storm father, we are his. It is a thousand days and the ever storm comes. Collected on the first day of the week Pala of the month Shosh of the year 1171, 31 seconds before death, subject was a dark-eyed pregnant woman of middle years. The child did not survive. And yeah, these are in front of each chapter. They vary like, um, you know, how many seconds pre-death and, and such. And I'm not going to ex explain any of it. This that's a major spoiler. I that's a major spoiler. I cannot uh, I cannot expound upon that. I'm sorry. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, those little bits at the beginning of the chapter. I believe those are called epigraphs where the author gives you a little blurb at the very beginning of the chapter that's completely out of context. It might have something to do with the chapter, but it, it really doesn't fit with where you're at or what characters you're being around. And I do like that as a as a cool writing tool. It's it's a fun little, I don't know, puzzle, puzzle pieces given to you one at a time. But yeah, the ones we've gotten so far, I have no clue what they're talking about. Yeah, it, they're very... They're... <laughs> They're very cryptic. I'm sure we'll find out in the next episode. So I'm, I'll look forward to that. Oh, you know? yeah. You'll definitely find <laughs> out by the next chapter. For yeah, sure. I'm sure next, just one more chapter and we'll... It's not like we here. have a solid 900 <laughs> pages Nine hundred pages to go in this no, book. No, no. Let, alone the two, let alone the two other ones coming up. <laughs> we'll worry about those later. I'm sure next chapter we'll yeah, have our okay. questions answered. I'm looking forward to it. Something interesting that I noticed that's not specific to these chapters, but as I look back, I noticed it's been throughout the book so far, and that is the fact that some of the names in the book are palindromes. They're the same mm -hmm. forward as they are backwards, or very close. Some of them aren't quite palindromes, but they're, they're close enough to, to catch my eye. And I thought this was really odd. I've never seen this used in a book, much less a, a fiction fantasy work like this, to have names that are palindromes. And I'm really wondering if this is significant or if this is not important at all or, or what is going on with these. But it, it jumped out at me as we were reading, I think, the Shalon chapters. I'd seen enough names. It was like, wait a second, there's a pattern here. So, yes, that that is, that is deliberate. And... I they'll explain this later, which so I'll kind of give a general synopsis. But yes, so the Voran the Voran Church believes that if something is being is able to be folded in half perfectly, it's holy. So mm. they okay. they name their children in the Voran Church almost perfect palindromes to to kind of give them a, a holy name uh, as as. A kind of tradition type of thing so yep kalak is a perfect palindrome we've seen a couple other ones nomen the moon uh mm -hmm. the moon's name is nomen that's a perfect palindrome shalon is close nohadon is close uh yes so 
perhaps were following somebody in the Voren church. Who knows? And uh, there, yeah, there's been a couple other ones, but yes, that's a that's a Voren church tradition of naming uh, naming children palindromic names. So that will be explained later. Interesting. I I was impressed by it too because some of these names are really long and and that was really what caught my eye too was one of the names I think it was the name of the the deity the Almighty I think Sherlon actually gave him a name mm -hmm. in one of the one of the chapters and it's this really long name that as I read it it just kind of stood out to me as wait a second that's the same backwards as it is forward and I'm not gonna try and pronounce it because I'm gonna get completely <laughs> wrong but it starts with the with an E and it's it's quite a long name but. That was an interesting thing that I've that I've not seen used in in a in a book before to to name like that. So I'm going to be looking for more of those. Trevor, a resident expert here on the books, are you able to say the name? Uh, you, I just I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Can you can you type it for me, Elliot? Do you... I, I I can. Do you have that kind of power? I can also I can also try to to pronounce it for you. But I will completely, completely butcher it. So I, I think I'll let you try. I remember it being said. Um, I must say, uh, I did not catch on to this whole palindrome thing uh, with the audiobook. Definitely would never have noticed. I'm glad you'll bring that up. I never would have made that assumption like in a million uh years. <laughs> I never would have caught it if I was listening to it either. Just the the fact that I had the actual actual words in front of me and was able to kind of mm. stare at it for a while, I, I noticed it. So yeah, something you you definitely wouldn't pick up on. I don't think if you were listening to the audiobook, you'd have to be listening real close. Uh, now that I read it, I think I can say it. Go for it. Go for it, Paul. <laughs> okay, okay, this is my best. This is my best attempt. Elithanathile. Okay. I think. Did I leave something out? Elithana Thiele. Yeah, I do believe that. I do believe that's how they say it in the audiobook. And mm -hmm. uh, I was, I'm very impressed, Elliot, that you got this as soon as you did because my, I don't, I don't see that. <laughs> I, I do see that now that I look at that. However, uh, my first read through of the book was not till, or my first read through was audiobook, and my it wasn't until my third read through that I actually read the the ink and paper version so it's not till they revealed and kind of uh explained it out um later in the books that i i understood that oh yeah there are a lot of palindroming names here uh but yeah i'm that's pr pretty impressive that you meant that you realized that as soon as you did it's like 20 letters. one point for me So, so the, kind of the next little notion I, I'm wanting to talk about. My personal favorite part of this this episode is finalizing what we know so far with Kaladin. So he's he's in his bridge crew now. Uh, bridge four seems to be quite the the difficult situation. Hellhole, I think, is what you're trying to Just refer to. to. Say the least. At least. Yes, it's not it's not a good spot. Um. And going back to, to my words, perseverance, right? Uh, Kaladin seems to be um, at the lowest points imaginable. Uh, they're even talking at one point. They're like, oh, this is going to be nice. We're going to be slaves. We're going to do manual labor. It's going to be nice. Mm -hmm. And then they found out they're in the bridge crew, which uh, was 
the very bad alternative. And so this is, I guess, the lowest of the low, even within Bridge Cruise. Uh, bridge 4 supposedly is infamously bad. So Kaladin is uh, struggling. There was like a... Everyone's dying around him. Uh, but I guess he keeps going on. Sort of. Let's 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 pause and just acknowledge how low of a low bridge four is uh he's been in the bridge crew two weeks and the first day there are 25 men that survive that first bridge run over the next two out of 40 over the next two weeks 23 of those 25 men die and the 24th that isn't him is transferred to another bridge crew and he dies there so he is the one person who has survived two weeks on his bridge crew that those death rates is completely unsustainable in any any real sense it th those are absurd numbers yeah like it, it makes me 50%. it makes me clearly think that that kaladin is is faded to to survive clearly there's a reason that he's he's still alive because everyone else is dying like you said this is just insane kaladin also mentions a couple times that the war just makes no sense to him whether it's the just needless throwing away of lives or the the strategy of what they're doing and the way the the bright lords are are conducting the war just makes no sense to him mm. and i think it 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 talks about how he's in such a, a stupor at that point that he almost doesn't he doesn't listen to that side of his brain but the 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 war veteran side of his brain is noticing this doesn't make any sense what is going on so there was a, a quote that i wanted to read that highlights this what you were saying elliot um it's on page 147 of my edition and it really highlights the old kaladin versus the new kaladin of where he is now of how how low he is and him kind of talking to himself of you should care about this you should be asking questions and you're not the old kaladin might have wondered why the armies didn't work harder to defend the bridges there's something wrong here a voice inside him said you're missing part of the puzzle they waste resources and bridgemen lives. They don't seem to care about pushing inward and assaulting the Parshendi. They just fight pitched battles on plateaus, then come back to the camps and celebrate. Why? Why? He ignored that voice. It belonged to the man he had been. It's, it's very much the definition of somebody who's struggling with depression. Uh, mm. People who struggle with depression... Uh, oftentimes do think of themselves before they've struggled with it as a different person. And uh, that is something very definitive that, and uh, Brandon Sanderson's been asked about this. It does Kaladin struggle with depression. And yes, he, uh, that's, that's what, Cal or that's what Brandon Sanderson's trying to get across here is he does uh, struggle with clinical depression. And these, these are the symptoms that he's, he should care about these these lives that are being lost around him. He should be asking these questions, and he doesn't anymore. He doesn't care. 
Yeah, it's really cool that he put such a a real relatable aspect into Kaladin's character there. That that's really awesome. But it's it's definitely painful to to watch Kaladin go through this to experience some of that through him where he's getting almost disconnected from his own self. He's he's in such despair. For sure. I feel bad for him. However, we don't end part one on this low low. We do get no. We do get a bounce. Somewhat, just a little bit. <laughs> That's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of a bounce to be headed in the right direction, and the rest is the rest is history. So you mentioned his his kind of. I don't know, two different, like thinking of his former self as a different person, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's really important uh, because, you know, kind of as things progress, his his very lowest is uh, when he goes to the honor chasm, right? He's ready to kind of, you know, he's, he's completely through with everything. He's ready to... Uh, be done with this this is the only choice he has over his life now is to end it himself and uh, he mentions that he um that that kaladin does die down at the honor chasm um, mm-hmm. and stuff and this is not the normal kaladin that you're dealing with anymore um we'll get more into that later kind of but i, I like that whole comparison of almost two different two different sides of kaladin I think it's really interesting, and I think we kind of see where one part kind of does die, <laughs> in a way, um, even though he does not die literally. So I thought that, first off, part one ended on a really epic note. I really enjoyed chapter 11. It really brought everything together for me. And I felt like going through this whole whole part one, the theme for me of part one was honor. And we saw a couple different versions of honor throughout the whole part one. At the very beginning, we had Zeth, who, who killed and was going to do whatever it took, no matter what, how terrible the task was to uphold his honor or to follow his honor. Yep. And, and then we got Kaladin or, or, or young Kaladin, who thinks that fighting is is how you gain honor and the, a, a warrior is the the one who gains honor and and then we get a couple mentions of the bright lords and how how honorable they are but then Calvin kind of infers that maybe they're not quite as honorable as they as they they sound like and then then we get to the bridgemen and how the only thing honorable in in air quotes that, that they can do left with their lives is is kill themselves mm-hmm. at the aptly or ironically named honor chasm and yet then we get chapter 10 where kaladin's father lirin completely spins all of this on his head by giving us the quote that i read earlier about saving lives and he doesn't actually mention honor but i really think that the the lesson Lear and Calvin's father is trying to teach us is that all these forms of honor, are they really honor or is, is saving someone's life more honorable than taking someone's life? And it was a very deep thought that I thought kind of ran through all of this part one. And I'm really curious if that's going to continue on, if that's going to be something that Kaladin deals with going forward as well, or if this is kind of the conclusion of that and Kaladin move on to other things. I'm, I'm really curious and I, I really enjoyed part one.
yeah, there's certainly that there are a lot of dramatic sides to honor as like where there's Zeth on one far extreme and Kaladin's father Lirin on the other far extreme. And there are plenty of people in the middle that we've already met and plenty more that we <laughs> yep. will meet. This, yeah, the, this chapter 11 where, where Kaladin recalls what his father says about honor and Syl saves him from the honor chasm. And this is where Kaladin's story begins. This is where he's he, he's really turned a new black bane leaf, if you will, to uh, <laughs> to to decide to be uh, to decide to save lives and make something of his life and the lives of the other bridgemen. And uh, yeah, this is really Sanderson's hook of this is where the story begins. Now I'm going to talk about interludes that you don't know anything about next next uh next episode <laughs> but backing up a little bit my personal favorite part of this whole episode is the kaladin flashback chapter um chapter 10 uh, we get to uh, learn about kaladin's father mm -hmm. and he kind of does a lot of teaching one of my two words <laughs> um mm. And we, we learn a lot about kind of society and kind of how Kaladin was raised and uh, the environment he grew up in. Mm -hmm. And I think it was very interesting. And we get that iconic quote that Elliot read earlier about yeah. those who take lives and those who save lives. And it was awesome. I I got a lot of answers out of out of chapter 10. I feel like many of the chapters we've been reading lately i just get more questions than i do answers but 10 actually gave me more answers than questions i think which was which was cool we got some some answers on his father and his profession that he was a surgeon and a, a really good one yeah and that that answers why all of kaladin's memories of his father seem to be medically related kaladin knows what to do when someone is injured and he remembers his father in those moments which now makes perfect sense because his father was a very good surgeon and even wanted Kaladin to become a surgeon and was, was training him, yep. which is where we get into that argument, which led to the, the quote that I read about Kaladin viewing war as this glorious go off and earn your honor in war. And, and his father, what was his father's name? Liren. Liren, I want to say. Liren. Yeah, Liren. So Liren kind of gives him a little bit of a, of a lesson that, I don't know that Kaladin actually learns the lesson in, in this chapter, but perhaps he's learned it by the next chapter here when he has his, his big moment, and that is the the fact that surgeons do an honorable thing too. In fact, perhaps an even more honorable thing by saving lives instead of taking them. Yeah, young Kaladin asks his father who, who tells stories of surgeons. Everyone tells stories of the great yeah. warriors and the great warlords of the past. Nobody talks about the surgeons that save that save lives who like who what honor is there in that and he's he's uh in chapter 11 he sees at the honor chasm the the honor in trying to fight to save lives as opposed to fight to conquer lives his foot is literally over the edge and the thing that brings him back is still Sill. Who 
still his his windspread, the little windspread that's been around with him that's that's turning into quite the companion that that actually left him back in in chapter nine, which was a really sad moment for me. I, I was scared she wasn't gonna come back. Yeah. But then to have her come back in this moment where Kaladin needs her the most, I I felt some some emotion pull at me in, in that moment for sure of Yes, Syl came back and, and saved him. And, and she does it in such a characteristic Sylphrena way where she's brought him. What did she bring him? She brought him a. Blackbane. Blackbane, that's what it's called. Yep. Yeah, Blackbane leaf. Yeah. And, and she, she brings it to him because she thinks that he likes those kinds of things because he had one before. And she doesn't even understand that she just brought him a deadly poison and, and right. kind of laughs. But just that kind of innocent, honest. I'm trying to help you even though I don't really know what I'm doing and this really doesn't help you at all. Uh, even just that is enough to pull Kaladin out of his dark place and start him on that path of kind of rebirth almost. Paul, you talked about the fact that he he treats that Kaladin as, no, no, I died down there at the Honor Chasm and now it's a new me. It's, it's, it's a moment of rebirth for him really, which is is really powerful. I, I thought that was the most powerful chapter we've we've read so far. Sure. I do really love the Sylphrena moment. I think it's hilarious. Also, with how hard she worked. Yeah. She, <laughs> she She's carrying this leaf, and she's like, this is so heavy. Like, I've carried it forever. But I wanted to make you happy, you know? And it's it's literally like a poisonous leaf. He's my the, heart, Sylphrena, my he, heart. <laughs> he originally had intentions, you know, to, like, poison to block off his, like, slave yeah. or whatever, you know? And that's why he's holding on to it and she just knows that he held on to it and you know and then he lost it and so she wanted to you know to give him back something that he had lost and i think the notion that you know she cared for him and she paid attention was really like probably impactful for him um and kind of just this notion that that kaladin has now at this point with you know just kind of always going forward and stuff it's kind of mm -hmm. you know it kind of it kind of forces that that motive and stuff i also think when you bring up sylphrena i i think there's a little bit of comparison it might be kind of a stretch but i think there's a little comparison between the relationship kaladin and sylphrena have with the relationship between like shallan and yalb there's kind of like the it, it is it is different it's it's kind of a stretch there right with shallan and Yao, you know shallan is very like very intelligent um but but a little bit naive and such mm -hmm. you know she's kind of learning a, a lot of the the ways that people really work in the world like i guess outside of books and such uh, where Yao kind of knows that end um and i feel like kaladin and sill is a more exaggerated version of that kaladin's very smart he knows a lot of things and Sil, just brand new like a little kid almost you know mm -hmm. very naive and such um but there's kind of that comparison everything and Sil kind of has that caring nature kind of like shallan has you know um if you look back at shallan and her like sketches and stuff she wanted to sketch like pictures of the album such kind of as like a token of her appreciation almost mm -hmm. for, for what he did and uh not exactly the same but you could compare it to to sill and her act of kindness here um but i think there's a connection between these pairs in some way and i'm kind of curious to see if they develop further 
or if maybe we see more similarities one day. Yeah, I noticed the I noticed the same thing, Paul. I thought the the comparison to those two contrasting relationships or contrasting personality types was was very interesting and in how they they balance each other out, right? Where where Shalon is smart but but a little a little naive, like you said, and, and Yal balances that out with his streetwise and then but but Yal was exactly what Shalon needs in her moment where she's at the bookstore getting, you know, ripped off and, and Yal comes in to, to save the day. Then you flip over to Kaladin and Syl, where, again, Syl balances out Kaladin's despair and, ex and painful experience existence that he's in right now with just her honest and innocent perspective, and that's exactly what Kaladin needs in that moment to kind of pull him out of that, and it's a it's a cool comparison, I thought. It's just a little bit more traumatic with the uh, Kaladin and Syl chapter as opposed to yeah, the, the, bit, the yes. Yalb and Shalon chapter. The, both Yalb yeah. and Shal both Yalb and Syl are saving them from a a bad circumstance. It's just Syl is, and both of them are doing it in an endearing way, but Syl is literally saving Kaladin's life. And Yalb, one's a little heavier than the other. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one is more exaggerated. <laughs> but Kalak was mentioned, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, back from the prelude, I guess we're kind of getting callbacks to, or at least relating to chapter one and the prelude now a little bit. Um, Kalak is mentioned with uh, Trevor. You mentioned Teft earlier, the bridgeman, mm -hmm. who uh, Kal Kaladin, after he died down there at the Honor Chasm, he he's ready to take charge of this bridge and either it's going to excel or he's going to die trying that kind of attitude and uh you know Talap, just a simple mention of you know clack knows that's true whenever they're um talking mm -hmm. it makes me wonder uh learning about clack if he's some it's kind of an expression almost like stormfather mm -hmm. um in that you know maybe Clack is some some god or one of these heralds or something. So I don't know, just just a little. It it does feel like I'm gonna make a guess that that Clack is is one of the heralds. I think going back to the the prelude, there's a. I think enough evidence for me to guess that we were we were witnessing the heralds back in the in the prelude, and I think Clack is one of them, but. Yeah, that that reference to him is almost in, almost in a negative sense, which which makes me think that Kalak is maybe the the Judas of the the Heralds. We'll see. Which I, okay, that lines up with what we saw in the prelude. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. That 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 was some of my thoughts on it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, we we met Kalak Yezrian in the uh, in the prologue, and the guy that they mentioned that they left in Damnation. His name was Talm. So, uh, yes, Kalak is mentioned again, and he is mentioned in kind of a a, t a term of phrase type of way where people just say, oh, Kalak knows that's true. Yeah, it's at least a common knowledge name. You know, everyone right. would recognize or know, briefly know who right. Kalak is. So that's why it gave me that assumption. And he does have to be somebody pretty important for him to be, for his name to be thrown around four and a half thousand years later. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, quite the jump. All right. So Kaladin is saved. Shallan gets her wardship. 
do we have any other closing thoughts on this this these chapters gaz is the worst gaz is <laughs> the worst okay he gets a little bit of comeuppance though not completely but Kaladin gets to stand up to him that i liked that part yeah gaz is the character that's put there for you to dislike i think and Kaladin kind of kind of sucks yep. to him at the end and i enjoyed that I am so excited to read more. Part one ended on a on a big high. I really wanna wanna dive deeper now. Yep. Can't wait to get more questions I don't know the answer to. <laughs> Alright, let's let's see you guys next week. Laters. <laughs>